0: could be, who knows, there's something due any day, I will know right away, soon as it shows, it'd make them cannonballing down through the sky, gleaming its eye bright as a rose. Hey Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place Normally. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she saved a Persian cat from a burning house. It's my sister, Marissa.
1: And somehow I don't have a speck of soot on me. That's how angelic I am. You're too beautiful. I am too beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I have often been compared to Meryl Streep.
0: (laughs) The queen, Meryl Streep. Um... (laughs) Now that The Good Place is on hiatus <laughs> I know, sob uh, We're back to our theme months Where we watch movies and TV Related somehow to The Good Place This month's theme is The Time of Your Afterlife So we are watching non-scary movies About ghosts, spirits, and the afterlife This week's pick The 1991 drama Defending Your Life Starring
1: Now, now I've seen it described as a romantic fantasy uh. <laughs> Sorry. Finish your sentence. Well,
0: it certainly wasn't funny, but we'll get to that. The 1991 romantic fantasy. (laughs) Defending Your Life starring Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. And Rip Torn. And Rip Torn, everyone. (laughs) Zed from Men in Black is in this movie.
1: Every time Albert Brooks opened his mouth, I was like, it's Nemo's dad. It's Nemo's
0: dad, everyone. (laughs) Sorry, Albert Brooks. You're just Nemo's dad to me. I mean, that is perhaps his greatest role? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. And he's funny in Finding Nemo. I mean, that's a thing. Anyway, I have some ish with this movie, but we'll yeah, get to you it. do. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing about Rip Torn being in this movie was that it rem- reminded me that Men in Black International is coming out soon, <laughs> and I am so stoked for that movie. <laughs> Great. Um. <laughs> I mean, he's not in it. He has passed. So, but. Uh... RIP, R- 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 I- RIP.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we're off to a good start. Say <laughs> like a little tasteless of me, but what are you going to do? Before we get to the recap a little housekeeping you can find us on itunes google play and at goodplay.cast.rocks please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice you can find us on facebook we have a group called the good play and we have a twitter account uh that is i don't, I, I don't want to say dormant but certainly not as active as when the show is on but you can still get at us we are at the good play pod and we also have a Gmail account, so you can send us an email, thegoodplaypod at gmail.com.
1: We have such a good email this week! Yay! We have such a great email this
0: week!
1: <laughs> but you guys are going to have to wait till the end.
0: Wait till the end. You have to get through <laughs> us talking about this ridiculous movie. and then. Jeez! We'll Jeez, you're a hater. I'm just preparing people because, <laughs> listen, my journey was last week, I was too cynical and the the movie that we watched with Robert Downey Jr. and the legend Kira Sedgwick warmed A lot my legends. heart. A lot of A legends. A lot of legends. legends. <laughs> I was like, this warmed my heart, and so I was like, Albert Brooks, Meryl Streep. How you know? I like both of those 97% actors. Ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. How honestly? How? And I was like, <laughs> did I get that right? Sa- was it ninety-seven? Ninety-seven. And yeah. I was like, it's the same time period. It's early nineties. Like. You know, I feel like this is like we're getting into a groove and I I totally see it. So I went in completely not cynical and the whole time I was like you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I really is a roller coaster the past couple of weeks. <laughs> Should we get into the recap? Yeah, I guess so.
1: You were awfully detailed in your notes. You
0: don't have to be. I just, you know.
1: Yeah, I kind of just want to talk about it. Okay. Um, but so we'll do the. I'm going to do a quick recap, which is that we briefly see daniel miller alive he seems to be in like his early 40s does that yeah that does that work for you yeah yeah he gets a new car and he's being ridiculously careless Seriously as he drives careless. <laughs> really bad as he listens to it and also he's listening to barbara, barbara Streisand <laughs> singing something's coming from west side story <laughs> which oh god was an interesting choice By the way, the movie opens with, and this is like a recurring thing. The movie opens with him like standing up in front of his like room full of his colleagues receiving a birthday gift, which turns out to be a CD player because it's 1991. He was like CDs like, oh, those were the days. But, But he spends a lot of time just kind of monologuing and making everybody laugh. And as I was watching this movie, I was like. I have this terrible feeling that Albert Brooks started out as a stand-up comedian, so I did some light Googling, and yeah, he started out as a stand-up comedian. So, like, all of the stuff in this movie where he kind of just gets a bunch of solo airtime to say things that are supposed to be funny is oh. just, like, it's it's because he wrote this movie and he started as a stand-up comedian. And I was like, this is, uh, this is not great. It's not great, right, guys! <laughs> I don't, like, so... Look, here's what I like about this movie. I'll give you in advance. Like, I like Meryl Street, yeah, me and, too. and and Rip Torn, right? Like, I I kind of don't like Albert Brooks in this movie, but I like everything around him. And I think that the premise is really interesting, and they really pulled out. Like, the set design is pretty incredible, and they, like pulled off a lot of stuff that seems kind of nuts for like a mid budget. It's not a rom com exactly, but kind of like a rom com. So I have like I have a lot of like positive feelings towards various aspects of this movie, but Albert Brooks maybe is not one of those things that gives me the positive
0: feelings. Honestly, as I was watching this, I was like, Ted Danson could have played this role pretty well. I think. Yes. And been pretty charming in this movie. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Albert, uh, yeah.
1: Mm. I mean, we'll get into it, yeah, I think. Okay. So, anyway, he's singing along to Something's Coming by Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. And he immediately plows headlong into a bus. As you have in your notes, the cold open is vehicular manslaughter. (laughs) But that's the same thing in the Robert Downey Jr. movie. So is the opening, the cold open of Heart and Souls is also vehicular manslaughter. Yes, yes. Basically, he wakes up, Daniel wakes up in a city... That is mostly full of old white people. He is one of the few sort of middle-aged people there. And he's put into like a reasonably... It's sort of like a Holiday Inn Express kind of hotel. Yeah. And we're told that this is Judgment City and it covers the entire western half of the United States. I don't know what happens to Canada. And it's like all the dead people from the western half of the United States end up in this Judgment City. And they get five days with a defense attorney essentially attorney defense attorney and a prosecutor the defense attorney is trying to defend your life haha defend your life so that you can move on to the next stage it's never really made clear what that is
0: yeah i had so many questions about <laughs> what the stakes were like what all this what and like it, they, they put so much emphasis on, like, being smarter and having, like, a bigger brain or using more of your brain. I was like, what does that have to do with, I don't know. Or
1: if you, the prosecutor is trying to convince, so there's two judges. The prosecutor is trying to convince the judges that you need to go back to Earth and live again. And the ultimate goal is to sort of, I don't think it's live without fear, but to face your fears in the moment as they happen on Earth to kind of let go of fear or conquer fear or something. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't really want to go through this beat by beat.
0: The, no, I don't think it's worth going through beat by beat.
1: There's a lot of stuff with food because all food is the most delicious food you've ever had and you can eat as much of it as you want without gaining weight, which I was like, okay, saying that once is kind of funny, but like Meryl Streep keeps hammering at home and I'm like, can we stop Yeah, <laughs> with the talk of it? So it's like, mm, it's okay. Anyway, so Rip Torn is Daniel's... Rip Torn plays a guy named Bob Diamond, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and he is Daniel's defense attorney. And the prosecutor is this sort of like typical hard-nosed prosecutor. Early 90s.
0: Yes. Yeah. We
1: find out that Daniel, this was Daniel's 20th life. Like this was the 20th time his soul had been on earth, which is implied to be kind of high. And they're also looking at what, so the, the the trial that he goes through, the five-day trial you like relive moments of your life. It's like moments of your life are up on a screen, but they but they make it out like, oh, it's it's completely realistic. You know, it's like 3D or whatever. And the prosecution, the defense both pick times from your life that they want to like showcase that you did or did not sort of conquer your fears. And he's looking at nine days. And like everybody is always asking him like, how many days are you looking at? How many days are you looking at? And it's, and it's sort of implied that the more days that you're looking at, the worse off you are. Like he runs into a guy who's looking at 15 days and everyone's like, Oh boy, that guy. Right. But Meryl Streep, who plays a woman named Julia, we never get her last name. Julia is only looking at four days. So I, I realize I'm talking a little bit out of order. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. You it's- shouldn't watch this movie. <laughs> So essentially, what happens is that Daniel meets this woman named Julia at a comedy club where there's a comedian on stage who's bombing, and they like sit together, and it's like basically love at first sight. I guess oh, I have I have so many
0: things to say <laughs> about how quickly this goes from like let's get dinner to like I love you. Um, yeah. So,
1: so so the Julia. Daniel relationship so they've only got like four days together basically right
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so it obviously moves very quickly they they go out every night pretty much and at their their last night together they go out for like a really nice dinner and they see Daniel's prosecutor there and Julia kind of goes over to the prosecutor and tells her like you know I think Daniel's a really great guy and I hope that you treat him well or something like that even though Daniel's like having an anxiety attack the entire time because he's like I can't eat with my prosecutor here like Ugh. he's basically a bundle of anxiety. Yeah. They go back to her hotel and it's 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 pretty obvious that there's a bit of a caste system at play here where if you are assumed to be moving on whatever that is that you are put in a nicer hotel because Julia's in like this like five-star beautiful hotel as opposed to Daniel's like Holiday Inn Express. Yeah. Daniels' hotel is perfectly functional, but Julia's hotel has, like, a jacuzzi in her room. Yeah. So they go back to Julia's hotel, and Julia asks him to spend the night. And he tells her, you know, there's nothing I want to do more than that, but I'm tired of being judged, and this whole week is just too much, and, you know, I just can't. You know, I can't do that. And he leaves, and then he regrets it, but he he can't. He doesn't go back to her hotel. So then the last day of his trial is the next day. And they actually play that footage, which felt like a very much a dirty trick to me. They actually play that footage that just happened the night before uh, to prove that he's like so afraid of whatever. He's afraid of anything, everything. And that seems to be the thing that condemns him to have to go back and relive his life. So at the end, so this whole the the, the whole gestalt the, of of this the set design and all that is very much like a sort of Disneyland kind of look and feel, like everything is very like brightly lit and everybody goes everywhere on like electric trams. There doesn't seem to be any cars or anything like that. You know, the, at one point they go to something called the Past Lives Pavilion, which feels very Epcot where you can kind of put your hand on a plate and be shown the life the lives that you had before your current life. That part felt a little dated to me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I can't imagine why. <laughs> we see like Albert Brooks's past life of like a tribal person, a dark-skinned tribal person running from a lion. Oh, there's uh- a
0: lot of just casual racism in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the one that I
1: was like, "Oh, that's not. I don't. I don't care for that one bit." Right? <laughs> like, because it was such a. It was supposed to be like a punchline of this, like, "Oh, this guy's running from a lion." Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. What was the what? What else were you thinking about?
0: Um, the sushi restaurant.
1: Oh yeah. So yeah. <sighs> They go to a sushi restaurant at one point, And at one point, they go to an Italian restaurant. And at both places, the servers or the people cooking or whatever, like, have the accents that you would expect on Earth. Yeah. Like, they have Japanese accents or they have Italian accents. And I was like, well, what, why is that? <laughs> like, this is the afterlife. Why would that be true? It's supposed to be funny, I think.
0: Yeah. And there's also... <laughs> I think we'll get to this, but uh, lots of references to AIDS in this movie. Sorry for uh, bringing that up, but uh, that made me... I only remember one, but yeah, Uh, it wasn't wasn't good. There were several, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. We can get to that. I watched it today, so I have a little fresher memory. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So essentially what happens is, you know, Albert... uh, Daniel is condemned to go relive life again for the 21st time. And, of course, Julia is going to go on all we see of julia's life is her saving her children and her cat from their burning house and it's just implied it's very obvious just from the way that she like moves around this afterlife that she completely has her stuff together and is a great person and and like her defense attorney just keeps being like it's just such an honor to work with you. And like everybody in her courtroom is like, it's such a pleasure getting to watch, you know, pieces of your life. Like, this is just so much fun. <laughs> like, it's obvious from the get-go that she is moving on, right? That's never that's never in question. But Daniel is condemned to go back to Earth. So they get on these separate trams, but then she starts calling his name and he forces his way out of the tram, which is like a lecture. And, and the guy yells at him, You're gonna hurt yourself. And I was like, He's it's, gonna- the <laughs> it's the afterlife. <laughs> like, you're gonna hurt hurt yourself in what he's a soul. What does that even mean? But he forces his way off the tram and he kind of ducks and weaves between various moving trams until he gets to hers and he jumps on and he bangs on the window. It's very, the graduate, right? He bangs on her window and yells out that he loves her. And he's trying to pry his way into the tram. And then we like flash back to the prosecutor and the defense attorney and the two judges back in the courtroom, like watching this in real time and Rip Torn being like, what did I tell you or whatever? And mm. the judges are like, yeah, all right. And they like push a button and he's allowed onto the tram with Meryl Streep and they kiss. And that's the end of the movie. I can't with this. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like a very, it's a very highly regarded film. It's, Interesting. It's an interesting premise. I did think to myself, this is the one situation where Eleanor might move on and Cheaty might be sent back to Earth. <laughs> like, Cheaty would for sure be sent back to Earth, right? <laughs> like, oh, his if whole the, life. it's about
0: getting over your fear? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Cheaty would for
1: sure be sent back and Eleanor might be allowed to go on. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Unless
1: yeah. it's all about like emotional fears, then she'd probably be sent I back. I mean,
0: the, so the thing is, like, it is. I. How do I say this? Uh, I'm just probably going to say it. This movie could. So, this was written and directed by Albert Brooks. Wow, uh, he directed it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Written and directed by Albert Brooks, which tells you, I think, why. He felt like, I mean, I saw Marissa tweeted earlier this week about how Albert Brooks was punching above his weight with Meryl Streep. I mean, guys. I agree with you. Meryl Streep
1: is luminous. She she, is that's lit. exactly the word. <laughs> she is
0: lit from the inside and her face is a painting. I was going to say, she's like one of those like Rembrandt paintings where yes. the skin is like, you don't know how they got the paint to be that. Yes, like, translucent and beautiful. And and, and and her the
1: every expression that goes across her face is just like another moment that belongs in like the old master section of your art museum. And then there's Albert Brooks. <laughs>
0: Like, no no offense, Albert Brooks, but come on, man. No, I am in 100% agreement. And the thing that drove me crazy about their relationship besides everything was (laughs) that she, her character is reduced to, like, just giggling at him because he's so funny. And I'm like, you know, they had, there are moments where they could have had Part of the reason why I didn't believe that they were in love is because we only see Albert Brooks's character cracking jokes and kind of nagging. He is her every always cracking wise. He always cracking wise. He never has like until she invites him up to her room, and he says no. They don't have a serious conversation about anything, right? She talks about uh, how no, they do not. No, 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 no. At, at dinner, I would argue that that. I do. You do see a bit of her
1: character at dinner when he's like freaking out about the prosecutor and she's like, you're being silly and I'm going to go to the bathroom and when I get back, I hope that you've changed. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, like that was for me, that was like a very real like. But she didn't say it in like, that sack tone. Sack up and being Well, look, she was she was trying not to send him into a further tailspin, but like. I've been that person being like sack up and be an adult. Like I'm going to give Can we you say a minute. Sack
0: up on this podcast.
1: <laughs> we say dress, bitch. Like I guess that's true. Like be an adult to you know like deal with your anxiety. I I'm not going to hold your hand through this thing that you definitely need to be able to handle on your own. Yeah,
0: I mean, so there were so like this is, I think there's a larger point here, but like about sort of Albert Brooks's character and like his relationship to fear and anxiety and all that stuff. And some of that's relatable to me and others of it. I'm like, okay, you need to, you must chill, but (laughs) they don't have, I mean, but they don't have a serious conversation. Like he asks her how she died. She had a, it's pretty awful. She had a pretty awful death and he makes jokes about it. That's all he does. He makes jokes about it. He makes jokes about his own death cuz she's like you look familiar and he's like were you on the bus that i crashed into ha ha ha. Uh, i killed By the a way bunch did of i kill did, did I, I kill, kill anyone people? i don't know <laughs> that in and of itself should get you disqualified from this whole like <laughs> look at all these moments of your life like hey if you accidentally committed vehicular manslaughter you're going back to earth buddy and also like that scene where he comes to her like trial room and sees the scene of her rescuing her kids from the burning building instead of looking at her and saying oh my god i had no idea i'm so i mean you can't say i'm so glad you're okay because they're dead but like i'm so glad you you got through you got that your kids out i'm you so glad your, you got your kids out i'm so glad you got your kids out you're so strong i had no idea you never you didn't tell me instead of doing that he's like i feel like i'm watching he's an all-state commercial hissy
1: little bench it's he, a, it's and it's by the way it's mutual of omaha not all state
0: oh but yeah whatever but like an insurance commercial, and he's pissy about it because to him, it's a competition, right? Yes. He's like, Oh, you're so wonderful. You have all these scenes of like, as s- if there's a limited number of
1: seats for people who get to move on, but there's not. Like, they're not as far in competition. Oh, yeah. They're not
0: in competition in any and way. And wouldn't that have been interesting, right? I fall in love with someone who is like, I want to go to heaven. She wants to go to heaven. There's one spot, but we fall in love. That's a more interesting story to me. And at no point does, I mean, but in this situation, at no point does she say, like, hey, that's, like, a traumatizing thing that I went through. Can you not? (laughs) Like, that's how I kept feeling. Like, every time he was, like, and, and when she says, like, you come up to my room, he makes it about him. He's like, well... If it's good, then what am I supposed to do? Because you're moving on and I'm clearly not, so I'm going to remember this forever. Uh, No, you're not, because you don't remember anything when you go back to Earth, first of all. And second of all... Right, there was nothing... It was not
1: like a selfless, like, you know, sweetheart, I'm going to have to relive life and you're going to go on and i want you to go find somebody and be happy and you're not going to be go finding someone and being happy if you're always thinking about me so like i'm selflessly you right. know allowing you to yeah no and what's it, not
0: that and then the second thing he says is and if it's not good then i won't be able to fantasize about it and directly <laughs> after that moment she says i love you i'm sorry what yeah like <laughs> what meryl streep what? Like, I literally, I, was, I texted you this. I was watching this alone in my apartment, and she's like, He's like, if it's not good, I won't be able to fantasize about it. And then she goes, I love you. And I sat straight up, and I was like, What? At the top of my lungs. I mean, and in, and what bothered me more was that in his, so they watched that footage, right? And, and like, I understood. The prosecutor trying like, trying to get him and the defense attorney trying to say, like, oh, no, no, no. He was actually like trying to be selfless thoughtful, in this case. Thoughtful. thoughtful or whatever. But he wasn't being thoughtful. And he knew he no, wasn't but he being was a, thoughtful. He's a,
1: the defense attorney's being a defense attorney. You can't... No, no. Don't but, hate the player. Hate the game.
0: No, okay. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. But then Albert Brooks very well... I think it would have been more emotionally honest in that moment to say, yeah, I was afraid. I was afraid. He did afraid. say that. He did say that. But not at first... Not at first.
1: No, he, he said he admits to being afraid, but then he backpedals into like, yeah, and like we're we're I, taught we're taught to be afraid of sexually transmitted diseases when we're told that we're having sex with everyone our partner's had sex with.
0: Yeah. on um, back on Earth they're filling our heads with all this crazy stuff about how we're not just having sex with one partner, we're having sex with all their partners. I was like, okay, this is nineteen ninety one.
1: That's a, that's, you... a, that's a C Everett Koop line, by the way, the Surgeon General under
0: Reagan. Wow, that was, that's a deep, <laughs> that's a How deep How do you pull. not know that? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I know who C. Coop was. I didn't know that he coined that. I don't know if he coined
1: it, but he certainly made the populace aware yeah, of it. Yeah, you
0: know why? Because at that time, like, you can't, he's, he's being like, first of all, he's being very cavalier about it, in my opinion. Like, oh, it's so crazy. I'm like, it's, but it's at that time. Well, but this was another thing that to me felt like
1: a little moment for him to shove some stand up into this script. Yeah. There
0: were so many little
1: moments of like you did you? It's so crazy the kids these days, right? Like his whole birthday speech is this. Yeah. You know, he's talking to a friend about CD players and CDs and that's like a little bit of stand-up. And you know, his when- car, his Jeep, it's the same
0: thing. Yes, yes, yeah. yes.
1: He's, wh- why, what do you need a Jeep for? You know, uh, you know, if there's a, an earthquake, you would want a Jeep. No, if there's an earthquake, I want a coffin. Like, it's just like these snappy rejoinders. This, it's like, it just feels like stand-up. Or um, when they're at the comedy club and the guy is bombing, you know, he just keeps coming up with this stuff that feels so polished and it's like i i don't know if he if albert brooks should have written and starred in and directed this because he obviously has this eye towards stand-up comedy that he keeps indulging and it for me it very much does not work
0: yeah because
1: it feel it takes me out of the the story of the movie and it puts me in this place where like well what exactly is up with this guy you know he Is confident enough to always, you know, always have a funny thing to say in every situation. But then he's
0: also like this nebushy sort of terror-stricken guy. Yeah. And on... Yeah, I completely agree with you. And on top of that, it's just like it robbed a lot of these moments where you could have had some emotional honesty. Like he had to just monologue and be funny. Like, that moment where he finally admits, okay, I was afraid, and that's why I didn't go up to her room. Then he starts doing the whole thing about, oh, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, which, like, by the way, you're in heaven. You're not going to get a disease. They're all, like, are you serious? Like, you, you, there's no way that you could have actually been afraid of that. And then he's like, well, and I was trying to be thoughtful. I was trying to save her feelings, da-da-da. And I was just like, no, I think the more honest thing in that moment is is for you to do a, a more serious monologue and say yeah I was afraid you know I, I had this marriage that failed I, my parents marriage was really rocky because you're seeing throughout the movie what we didn't get into was like all the moments in his life that we see and like some of it was like his parents seem to have like a pretty bad marriage and he had yeah, mar- that was upsetting it was really upsetting and he had a marriage that didn't last but we don't get into why like and so for him to have a moment where he steps back and says, you know what? I was afraid because of all of these things that happened in my life. It's the Eleanor thing of like, when she finally snaps out of it, that episode in this, in this season where she's trying to like save her feelings and be like, Oh, well it's all determinism. And, and I didn't have oh, any choice. Ted Danson has to throw, um, throw a drink on her ice tea.
1: I believe. Yeah.
0: But like, you know, she's basically saying, well, it's all, I'm a product of my upbringing and this and that. And so like, that's sort of the argument that Rip Torn was trying to make on his behalf, at, at least at some points. But like, you know, there was not a narrative through line of like, this guy is afraid of love or this guy is a, is afraid because like he saw his His parents' marriage fall apart, and therefore his own marriage fell apart. He doesn't know how to be intimate with a woman, so he pushes them away. I think that's what they were trying to get at, but I I would have really actually appreciated at the end him saying, like, you know what? I have learned my lesson, and no, I'm not ready to ascend. I have to go back and learn this lesson again, and I have to- Yeah, he was so
1: crestfallen when he got sentenced to go back, but, like- he, he didn't
0: deserve to move forward.
1: He didn't, and and also it's not exactly the worst thing to have to, li- you know. He's not going to hell, right? He's going to you know debuke or something. Like
0: he, it's going to be okay. Yeah, like he and and by the way, he won't remember any of this, right? You know. So all this, and I I think it would have been more interesting if he was like, you know what, this has taught me, and my experience with this luminous angel of a woman has taught me that like I Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep, I. Has taught me that, like, no, I'm not ready. And I don't deserve this because I don't... I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work to do. And I haven't allowed myself to live, you know, free of fear. And I, you know, me personally, not Albert Brooks, is, like, you know, I'm doing a little bit of a monologue for him. But, like, I as Brianna think that, like, this idea that, like, you have to live without fear this is this is a premise that could really have only been thought of by someone whose greatest fear is internal, right? Like mm-hmm. I I started thinking about all the people who live in fear because they actually have real things to be afraid of. Like if his mom, oh had to yeah, go this doesn't this...
1: stand up one tiny bit to any examination of like
0: how this works for ninety percent of the population of yeah, Earth. Like, I'm thinking about okay, so Albert Brooks is mom had to go through this right and his if if you showed that scene of his parents fighting okay so his mom could say in that moment i was genuinely afraid that my husband was going to hit me in front of our son like content warning i guess for like domestic violence yeah yeah but like that's real fear and that's not like and i don't think that's That's
1: not something you just grit your teeth and power through. Right. Right,
0: And that's not something that you say, oh, you have to get over. You have to, I mean, his stuff was like, you have to get up on stage and talk in front of people. You have to like be honest with your teacher as a, as a child. You have to like take responsibility for the fact that like, you know, or you have to negotiate a salary. Like these are all things that are like fairly low stakes. First world problems. Very, very first world problems. And, and look, you can live in the first world and have real problems. Like my house burned down. Right. And I had to get my kids out. And, and what did I do in that situation? And so obviously she's better than he is. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, and I, look, I'm not saying that, like, had she failed in that situation, that that would have been a, a moral failing of her character, you know, because I certainly wouldn't be able to do that. I would have been like, di- hacking up a lung from smoke inhalation. But, you know, it the fact that this movie was written by him and stars him and it's all about his internal fears and all that stuff. I mean, I think where The Good Place is able to shine a little bit more, because some of it was thematically pretty similar, I thought. Mm-hmm. But some of it, like, where, where The Good Place is allowed to shine a little bit, it's not just... You, it's not this idea of you have to get over your fears. It's like, let's look at your choices br- more broadly and your choices have good consequences and bad consequences, but it's not, were you afraid of making this decision or were you not? Because sometimes you can make bad decisions and be totally not afraid of making them, but they turn out to be bad. And some, sometimes you're really afraid of making a decision that is really good for you. So I think where the good place is, is able to to succeed where this movie I think fails narratively is they're not talking, they're not like blaming. I mean, a lot of this felt like we're blaming you for the decisions that you make because you are stuck in your own fear. And it felt to me more like Albert Brooks trying to work something out in himself. And he just got a studio to bankroll. It. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely an element of that.
1: I'm not going to lie that this is, it feels very autobiographical, certainly. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, so when he's on that tram at the beginning, you know, with all the newly dead people, I was like, wow, this is a very white group of dead uh-huh. people. And then they and then they explain, like, oh, this is the western half of the United States. And I guess, you know, I guess maybe that tracks if you, um, I'm sorry, it's what like about West- all of the... Asian no, no, no. people
0: who came through Angel Island. No, I really but we're talking everybody
1: west of the Mississippi, I think. And if you average out everybody west of the Mississippi in 1991, probably it was very white, especially if you're looking at mostly people who are dying, right, who are mostly elderly, probably quite I white. Oh no. But it was still like it it was kind of a shockingly white movie. This
0: is 1991. <laughs> He's coming from Los Angeles. The Rodney King riots were 92. He can't. I'm not saying there are no people of color in the western half of the United States. I'm just saying, like,
1: I guess if you took the western half of the United States averaged out over old people who are dying, like, it probably was whiter than it would be if you looked at living people. But, I like, no. It was still, I was like, man, this is a lot of white faces.
0: And, and this old white lady is yeah. sitting behind him and, and goes, wow, you're really young. AIDS, and I was like, "Hey, what? <laughs> hey, defending your life? Get it together, would you please?" The yeah, because AIDS it's crisis a, it's a, is it's a... happening. Don't make I know. jokes about it in your movie, Albert Brooks. What's
1: wrong with you? Yeah, it was obviously supposed to be a laugh line, and I was like, "Uh."
0: And that is, I mean, and that's like when when Rip Torn is talking about, like, well, maybe she has a disease and he was afraid of getting a disease. What disease are they talking about? Of course they're talking about AIDS. It just, that, I was like, this is, that is, that is tone deaf to the max that you this, could put that in a movie. This movie premiered the
1: same year as the play Angels in America. Holy! <laughs> Was not the time to be making jokes about AIDS is what we're saying. (laughs) My God
0: Oh And you know if there's a version of this drama that has that wants to have like you know there are people who are younger and younger who are coming to Judgment City and like you could do a real like Like a queer a queer post death love story. A queer post-death love story, or an that would exact- be a great comic book. Write it, Brianna. <laughs> I should. There is a there's an anthology I want to go out for called "You Died," and so it is it is a lot about that stuff. But I, this
1: comic is based on a 1991 Albert <laughs> Brooks written, directed,
0: produced, story. Oh God! I kept. This is a deep cut, and I think, Marissa, only you will appreciate this, but I have to say this. Do you remember in Soul Taker for M- MST3K, right at the beginning, or at the end, the, car- the guy, her love interest is like, you're beautiful. And then one of the uh, robots goes, yep, she did write this. Like, that's how the whole thing felt to me. So,
1: what my sister is referring to. <laughs> Sorry, I should have
0: surfaced.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is an episode of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, which makes fun of a movie that was written and s- by a woman, and she also stars in it. And so she, in the movie, her character is said by many to be beautiful, and the the <laughs> you have to know the premise of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. But the <laughs> the robots who are making fun of the movie are basically saying, like, yeah, she obviously wrote this movie because they're always talking about how beautiful she is, and she's like not especially beautiful, right? But yeah, there was that, you know, it's that, you know.
0: Yeah, she did write this. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and it's just, I I just felt like, and the other thing I want to say is, (laughs) I wrote this in the, I have a lot of feelings. (laughs) Do you want to just do Beetlejuice next week? (laughs) Oh, we could do Beetlejuice for sure. Then you won't be complaining. (laughs) I mean, I had some other options too, including Ghost and Meg recommended Coco. Oh, God. (laughs) Which Meg, why? (laughs) Why, Meg, why? She doesn't cry in Uh, movies the way I do. (laughs) Oh
1: my God. I was in the movie theater like, (laughs) it's just someone hand me some more napkins because my entire face is like the Hoover Dam right now. I remember watching that
0: with you for the first time. We watched that together. Oh yeah, I brought brought
1: the Blu-ray to Mom and Dad's house.
0: And I cried uncontrollably like, hysterically for like the last (laughs) third of the film. Like, just could not stop crying, and it was, I was just tear streaming. I cried myself to death watching that movie. Like, I so passed over to the other side, and you, like, left churros as an offering for me. (laughs) That's how, but I would be willing to watch it again, because it is a beautiful afterlife story, so we could watch that, Yeah, that's a
1: good point, but what were you going to say about this movie?
0: Oh, the other thing I was going to say was, like, if you want to have a whole movie that's about him, like, being governed by fear and all that kind of stuff, like, they make a big point at the beginning to say, say that he's spending his birthday alone and you know he's like oh I don't you know I'm not a big you know again this is him being a stand-up comedian he's like I don't need a big thing for my birthday like you're born alone like you should celebrate alone that doesn't make any sense and <laughs> is nonsense <Nope. laughs> but the guy who he's with
1: is like that makes a lot of sense and it's, and it's so like, deep it's like it shut no. up stop
0: <laughs> no stop it but you know they make a big point about saying like he's gonna be alone for his birthday And I sort of thought that this was going to be a movie about, like, a guy who seemingly on the outside, like, has it all together and on the inside is, like, a wreck, which it is, kind of. But what I kind of would have liked better is, like, what if his death wasn't just a freak accident of him being stupid about the CD player in his car but more like, okay, he says he's going to go for a long drive. He has been driving for five minutes when he runs into a bus in full daylight, right? What if, in reality, he goes for a long drive and, you know, it's a little bit more melancholy and you can't tell, was this an accident? Oh, or was it suicide? Or was it his fear of being alone has taken over and he's like, I'm I'm better off dead, basically. Like, you know... I I don't have, like, look, I'm a failure, right? Like if we had had some, if we had had some uh, articulation while he was alive, that he was dealing with these inner issues and he seemed like he had it all together, but he really didn't like, wouldn't that have been more interesting to say, like, why are you here? Like, did you kill yourself or what? Like,
1: there's a really beautiful book by Peter Beagle called a fine and private place, which is his first novel. And it's all about, it's, it's, so he wrote The Last Unicorn. That's his most famous book. Okay. But A Fine and Private Place is beloved by many. It, it's about a man who lives in a graveyard, and he's the only one who can see the ghosts of the people who are buried there. And they and the ghosts don't stick around very long. And two of the ghosts, a man and a woman, fall in love with each other. But then there's a whole investigation into whether the man committed suicide and it's interesting because the ghost genuinely doesn't remember whether he committed suicide hmm. and it's a whole thing because they're they're buried in a catholic cemetery so if 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 it's found that he did commit suicide they're going to move the coffin and then the two ghosts will be separated from each other
0: Aww.
1: so oh yeah i mean it's a, it's sort of a beautiful melancholy little book but that's a really interesting sort of look at it's really unclear throughout most of the book did he kill himself or was it an accident and the investigations continue and I don't want to spoil it because I think it's a wonderful book, but, but it is sort of
0: this, you know, it's an interesting subject. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting subject. And, and like, you know, it's kind of this death of a salesman thing where like it's, it's ruled an accident or whatever, but you understand that he's worth more dead than alive to his family. Right. And, 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 in this case, wouldn't it have been interesting for like, oh, you, this isn't, right, because we said like this system doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. But what if the real reason that you're on trial is because we're trying to figure out, okay, did you commit suicide? Did you, like, how well, did but you... but then how would that be? Like, everybody's on trial to see if they committed suicide? <laughs> no, no, suicide? I'm saying it doesn't work for everybody. So we shouldn't have everybody go through this system. It's, it's, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But I just thought that would be more interesting, like, you were governed by fear up until the moment of your death, and you, you know, let that fear over of being alone, of, of being a failure overtake you in that moment, and that's what led you here. I think that would have been a more interesting story than just, like, I'm listening to Barbara Streisand on the freeway, and everybody knows that the LA freeways are crazy, and I'm just, like, singing along, and bend over for like a full five minutes while I'm driving my <laughs> convertible. He like knocks over some CDs and he's like derp a like, oh man. Yeah, can't get those later. What are you talking about? Like, that's the dumbest I don't know. So I think, you know, I I had a, a lot of issues with this movie.
1: I didn't hate it as much as you did. It, but it's not something that I ever really want to rewatch. I'm like, oh, that was no. interesting. I guess I'm kind of glad that I watched it certainly seeing Meryl Streep. So, so you're right that the the role that they give Meryl Streep is somewhat thin gruel. Yeah. We don't really get a sense of who she was in life. She doesn't really want to talk, conveniently, she doesn't really want to talk about her life. We don't get a sense at all of her marriage, even though no. she was married when she died. Uh, she has two children.
0: One of them is she, adopted.
1: Right, but she says that she feels fine about having left them, which she says is like a thing that Judgment City kind of puts on all the residents so that you can effectively defend yourself without being consumed by grief, which is interesting. But we don't ever get a sense of like, who is this woman? What does she like? What did she do? Right. What was her life like? What, did she have a job? What? Like? Oh, we have uh, no idea. None. All of this autobiographical stuff. She is just this angel who descends into his life, laughs at all of his jokes, and is a lot wiser than he is.
0: Yeah, and, like, it seems to be that she didn't have a very good marriage. But Again,
1: again, conveniently, right? Because right. it's a love story between her and Albert Brooks.
0: But oh, also, one thing that I was going to say was... She, when she first meets him, she goes over and sits next to him and says, you look really familiar. I know you. And he cracks wise and says, it's it's because I'm the only person under 90 in this room. (laughs) Which is true. Which is true. But she's like, no, I really feel like I know you. I feel like I know you. And then that gets dropped immediately. And wouldn't it have been interesting if... Oh, if they knew
1: each other in a past life. In
0: a previous life, they were lovers. Or in a previous life, they were married and it didn't work out. And now they're sort of facing... Oh, and they see it in the Past Lives Pavilion. Yeah, like they go to the Past Lives Pavilion and she's like, it's played for laughs. It's like, he is this, like we talked about this, like racially insensitive (laughs) caricature of a native person. And she's like prince valiant of course because she's wonderful and but wouldn't it have been interesting if oh everybody says we should go to the past lives pavilion like let's go and he's like i don't know if i really want to go to this and she's like no no no, let's go because that's how it goes and then they get there and turns out that they were you know related somehow like you know they got married or they were they knew each other in a past life. Like, oh, I, you know, I saw my wedding day. I saw my wedding day. It was the same wedding day. Oh my god! Like, because that just gets dropped immediately. And I feel like, wouldn't that have been an interesting thing to be like? Then I would almost buy the fact that they fall in love over the span of like two days. That is
1: such a great script doctoring. <laughs> that is such a great. You should you should be like Carrie Fisher and secretly doctor all Hollywood scripts.
0: Uh, but you're right, right okay. because.
1: They, yes, our queen,
0: our princess yes. forever. Yes,
1: like her general. Yes, the the fact that they fall in love with no provocation and instantly is insane to me. I, it's not insane that he falls in love with her. No, She's I fell in love with Meryl Streep. <laughs> But the fact that she's just like, oh, being with you is just so effortless. Like, everything in my life was work, but this is just effortless. I was like, is
0: it? Is it effortless to go to dinner with somebody who freaks out? (laughs) Like, come on. He has, yeah, he has some probs. He He makes her laugh,
1: and that's not nothing, right? That's a wonderful, that's that's a kiss to build a dream on, but
0: like... You, you can't just make somebody laugh all the time. That is, in fact, not how it works. Especially when... I'm, I will never get over this. I'm sorry. Meryl <laughs> Streep invites you up to her room and you say no? What is your no deal, my human man? human being on <laughs> Earth, not
1: one, would not, say no to Meryl Streep in that moment. Not
0: one human being would say no especially if not for the reasons that he gives. And she's still, and she is so hurt in that moment when he walks away from her. And I'm like, girlfriend, you are in the afterlife. You are being assumed into like whatever next version. Forget about him. You're going to find somebody way better and way smarter. Like this whole movie, I just kept waiting for her to be like, yeah, you make me laugh, but like, you need to get your ish together, my dude. And then he goes like, oh, you know what? I think I need to go live again and get my ish together. And then one day, maybe I will aspire to be good enough to be invited to your bedroom, Meryl Street." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think if they had been soulmates, you know, we talk about Ch- Chidi and Eleanor as soulmates, right? Hashtag Chelenor. Hashtag Chelanor forever. If they had been soulmates in another life, I think that would have just made it all, like a lot more interesting.
1: Meryl Streep and Albert yeah. Brooks. You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. That would have been a great change to make to the script, to make this. St- uh, yeah, and to maybe to make the stakes a little higher or something. Although it's, n- I don't know. I mean, it was sort of like, I, I, you know, even though he's the the whole end scene with the tram and he's running to get her. You know, it the stakes were pretty unclear to me. Me too, because. Yeah, okay, so the tram's electrified, but again, they're not physical beings anymore, right? They're This is all some sort of theater of the mind or something. Like, what? what is that? The worst that happens is that they're separated, and, you know, the worst that happens for him is that he's sad for about 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> he goes back to Earth. It's
0: very unclear where she's going.
1: Yeah, so the the people who work in judgment city the prosecution the judges the defense attorneys the waiters all that it's implied that they all used to be humans on earth who passed their judgment and now this is where they have chosen to live i think and uh and they are just getting smarter and smarter and sort of becoming more and more at one with the universe there's a whole thing about Riptorn tells albert brooks that albert brooks only uses three percent of his brain and Riptorn uses 40 something percent and there's all this mumbo jumbo about like people kind of comparing brain sizes by the way the whole thing about you only use x percent of your brain that is all a scientific nonsense <laughs> like it kind of made me cringe every time it came up on screen i was like nope it's not a thing i know readers digest means you think it's a thing it's it's not a thing
0: yeah, I don't... And also, like, we never get an understanding of what that means functionally because every time Albert Brooks asks a question, Riptorn just goes, you wouldn't understand. You don't use this much of your brain. So there's no way you could understand. There's also a thing where
1: Rip Torn is out of court one day and I still don't know narratively what that was supposed to achieve.
0: No, nothing. I have no idea. None. Yeah, I think
1: Albert Brooks needed a script
0: doctor He needed named Time Traveling Brianna. I was going to say, what was I doing in 1991? I was three years you were old. were three. I'd have been like, I'd be like Albert Brooks, Meryl Streep is too good for you. You need to make this a little bit more believable. <laughs> I remember
1: you when you were three and you were not that smart. No,
0: I'm not that smart today. <laughs> yes, you are.
1: You just said the thing, so you obviously are. Uh, okay, so... You're you're not, you don't recommend this movie. <laughs> nope, that's a hard no for me. I think it's like it's fine. You know, it's like a fine movie. It, it, it's maybe interesting. Meryl Streep is gorgeous. You can watch it, I guess. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you're gonna watch it for anything, just watch it for Meryl Streep smiling. Yeah, basically,
1: every time she smiles, it's just like, oh my god, she's just a breath
0: of fresh <laughs> she's air. An every angel time she's just on screen.
1: <laughs> so we like we you kind of heard us saying earlier. We don't really know what we're gonna do next week. We might do ghost we might do beetlejuice we might do coco
0: i want to do ghost at some point because just because you've never seen it
1: well so. then let's do ghost next week then okay yeah I'll just, i just it doesn't seem to be streaming anywhere i'll have to pay money again but uh, what are you gonna do
0: this is a better uh, movie to pay money for <laughs> yes ghost. right we had to pay money to rent defending your
1: life which was a little bit of a kick in the teeth <laughs> i was like so salty <laughs>
0: i paid three dollars for this <laughs> at
1: least it was available. To pay money for, unlike Heart and Souls. I mean, what a, what a what an injustice! Hey, that's <laughs> so
0: true. How come this like ridiculous Albert Brooks movie is like widely available, and this adorable little hidden gem is like lost to, to time? I don't know.
1: We need to start a preservation society. <laughs> so I said we had one email. Yeah, we did. Yes. Yay! So Jenny from the block emailed us. She took a plot bunny that you had sort of released into the wild in our episode 56, which is about the time on The Good Place where the demons come into the Canadian bar and the humans and, well, the J- Janet fights all the demons and then Janet ends up taking all the humans into her void. Yeah. And you had said something like, I wish that Sam and Dean from Supernatural would have sort of just popped out and started fi- fighting with the demons or something. Yeah, because they film in Canada. Supernatural films in Canada. <laughs> right. Right, that's why Misha Collins lives uh, up in, in Bellingham. Bellingham yeah. yeah. So don't ask why we know that. And so...
0: <laughs> also, his name is Misha Collins, which is very close to your name.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. So Jenny wrote a fanfic based on this idea that Brianna had. And I am she, so honored. <laughs> she emailed us to make sure it was okay to like post. I don't know where she's gonna post it. Um, I don't know if she's gonna post it on like fanfiction.net or archive of our own or whatever. Oh yeah, please. I know the
0: fanfiction sites. I know them. Jenny, please, please, please send us a link <laughs> when you are I wanna read this. I wanna <laughs> tell everyone I know about it. I am
1: I not- liked it. I read it, I mean I don't know anything about supernatural, but I was like, I like this pic. <laughs> It's like in a nice little, cro- it's a short little crossover. <laughs> I am so,
0: like, just so tickled that yes. she felt inspired to write a little crossover fanfic for us with two of my favorite shows. So, so nice. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes,
1: if anyone else w- wants to write fanfic based on anything we've ever said or done, we ab- <laughs> wholeheartedly
0: <laughs> approve, but we do require a link. <laughs> Please send that to us. Until next time, be, uh, try to be worthy of Meryl Streep. Yeah, all of you. Every last one of you. Until next time,
1: <laughs> you try to be worthy of Meryl Streep. We and will see so you next time, Ding Dongs.
0: It's coming. Who knows? It's only just out of... Reach down the block on a beach, maybe to
1: Hold on just a second, Brianna. Dan has to feed the cats. Okay. So go ahead. <clears throat> Everything is awesome. Everything. This song's gonna
0: get stuck inside your head. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes. Okay, Dan is finished.
0: This sounds going to get stuck. In no, stop. <clears throat> <clears throat> no. <laughs>